0: Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. Glad that you could join us again this week. We're getting near the very end of this quarter. This is Lesson 11 of 13, and we're looking at something very, very significant today. It's actually Part 2 of what we looked at last week. So we are looking at Mission to the Unreached, and this is Part number 2. Let's begin today with prayer. Father, thank you again for being with us, and we ask that you will be with us as we seek to reach others especially the unreached. We ask now that you would bless our time together, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're blessed this week, once again, to have Doug Venn back with us. He is currently serving as the assistant to the president for Adventist Possibility Ministries, but when he authored this portion of the study, he was the director of her Global Mission Urban Center. Doug, welcome back.
1: It's great to be with you, Eric. That,
0: that was a lot of words yes. to describe <laughs> where, where you are and where you've been, but we're grateful for the contributions that you've made to uh, to this quarter's lesson. And so this particular week, we're looking at Mission to the Unreached. And there's this story that we go into here that kind of reminds me of a little bit of a field trip. Now, field trips are are often enjoyable things. I remember back when I lived in in Germany during my high school years, uh, a a fun field trip that we would go to was a... a, uh, a science center for for children for okay. youth was called it was called, uh, called Evoluon in Eindhoven in the, in the Netherlands, so that was fun. It looked like a spaceship, looked like a giant flying saucer and you 'd go in there and just all kinds of fun stuff for for kids but but we 're looking at a field trip that Jesus goes on with the disciples here, and it 's it's not to the netherlands right. it 's not to a, a flying saucer looking spaceship uh, thing. He takes them to a place called Tyre and Sidon. Yeah. And when he goes there, when they go there, there's... Uh, what's going on? Why, why are the disciples not thrilled beyond words to, to be able to go to this place?
1: Well, as any master teacher, uh, they're wanting to look at how they, the students can kind of master the material, master the lesson learned. So what was the lesson that you learned on your field trip that, you know, years later that you reflect on that science center?
0: One of the lessons that I remember now is that I think the science center closed in the late 1980s or or 90s. So take advantage of things while they're there, while right. the opportunity exists, because you never know when they're going to be gone. And so uh, I, I still have fond memories of going to Evoluan and Eindhoven.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that that's the same. Jesus was trying to um, take uh, give his disciples insight on site. And that's what, uh, whether you're a science teacher, I remember... Going to City Hall, I remember meeting you know other uh, public officials on different field trips. But one of the favorite ones for me was going to the food bank, and there we got to help uh, and serve and you know repack uh, you know rice and lentils and beans and other legumes and stack peanut butter jars on the shelves. But at the end, we always got donuts. Oh, <laughs> so that makes that's it worthwhile. Why I remember it was a sweet lesson, but. Our teachers, and just like here Jesus, he's wanting to teach uh, his disciples about mission. And so those insights on site, I think that that's, I wanted to jump in to actually look here of some of these lessons uh, and what's going on in the background. So in Judges 3 verses 1 through 6, we see that God used these ancient people, of the Sidonians and of Tyre to actually test Israel's faith. Also, in First Kings uh, chapter five, verses one through twelve, we can see here how Israel, working with these people groups of the uh, in Tyre and Sidon, they actually had this trade uh, negotiation, this trade partnership. So there was this economic uh, benefit for both nations happening, but with that interaction comes also the opportunity to be exposed to other cultures and worldview. And just like I got to taste donuts there, and I know that my mom, uh, growing up at home, we didn't have donuts a lot, so that's why it was so special. And for you, uh, you know, being there in that part of Germany, you got to have insights on site in a different cultural setting. But King Solomon in First Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 6 He actually married a Sidonian princess, but that relationship, he was not in a missionary position, and so she actually invited him to worship Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. And so here we see that despite this family history between these nations, and those are just three of the other, if you have a chance to jump into God's word, you can actually see more of this background of the mission to these regions beyond uh, in this lesson. But Jesus, he years later now, he's bringing these disciples to a place that despite the paganism and idolatry, Jesus wants us and his disciples to see their bias and their bigotry, and he gives us a model for this cross-cultural, holistic, urban mission for us today.
0: So in this story, we're looking at, at Jesus, the example that he is, is giving us, the, um, the lessons that he wants us to learn, the observations to, to maybe uh, to recognize our own biases, our, our, our own challenges, uh, perceived ideas or, or misperceived ideas. Um, we see Christ's compassion as heart for, for all kinds of people here, including heathen, including, including idolaters. What motivated Jesus to to try to reach these types of cities in his day and and what's the lesson we can pull from that for our day?
1: Yeah, so I think that Matthew 9, verses 35 and on, we actually see how Christ was moved with compassion when he saw the uh, multitudes. We also see in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, how when Jesus saw Jerusalem, he was moved and he wept over the city. And so it is today that where are the people? They live in the cities. And so that's why we are called to also do that cross-cultural way. It may may not be comfortable. It may not be our normal way of living, but Christ calls us, just like he did his disciples uh, 2,000 years ago, to care and to share.
0: So, Doug, I want to read a passage here for you, and this is in Matthew chapter four. We're going to look at verses 23 through 25. Matthew four, starting in verse number 23. It says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So Jesus is preaching, he's teaching, and healing is his three-part ministry, as it were. It says, then his fame went throughout all Syria, And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So where are all these people? It says they're coming from a a wide variety of areas. What's what's drawing them to Jesus? Where are they coming from?
1: Well, Jesus selected Capernaum as his base for his ministry, and that was the crossroads for these nations and these regions. But then Jesus, then he, he stretches because he, uh, and, uh if we jump to today's uh, lesson, is basically based in uh, Matthew chapter 14. We see here he, uh, John the Baptist is beheaded, his cousin, uh, then they take some time away. Uh, and he goes to a quiet place in verse thirteen. But then that's where the crowd follows him, and we see part of where the, that crowd is from. And he feeds the five thousand. He walks on the sea, and then um, he then uh, jumps into uh, this um, area of how defilement comes in, in verse uh, chapter fifteen. And then he leaves that region and goes to Tyre and Sidon. And so here we see that Jesus is caring for all of these areas which were Jewish and also Gentile. And so it is for us is that how today are we, are we just talking to our own, my, our own tribe, our own family of faith, or are we also like Jesus being intentional about going to those who've never heard?
0: So he's he's making an effort. Right. It's not just kind of happening. Yes. But he's making an intentional effort to, to reach out to these individuals. That's correct. Um, bring that real quick into our day. Um, What might these people, where might these people be around us? You, You mentioned cities. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, again, the majority of the population today lives in the major cities of the world. And that may not be where you live or where I live, but that's where the majority of the population lives. And I'm reminded in the book Desire of Ages, page 399, that After this encounter with the Pharisees, Jesus withdrew from Capernaum and crossing uh, Galilee, repaired to the hill country on the borders of Phoenicia. Looking westward, he could see spread out upon the plain below the ancient cities of Tyre and Sidon with their heathen temples, their magnificent palaces, and marks of trade, and their harbors filled with shipping. So we see that the people are in the same kind of economic centers and these population centers. And so that's where Jesus, he didn't just stay with the Jews. He crossed these national, he's crossed these borders to then actually go and care for one, this woman and her, and her daughter.
0: So they, in many people's minds, if they're, if they're in, in the city, as it were, yeah. if they have... Uh, a home, if they have a good job, they have a, a decent car, maybe three or four decent cars, they've kind of got it made right at least from a certain perspective. and it might seem as if it would be difficult, if not futile, to to try to reach them because they they seem to have it together, or we we think they perceive that they have it together. But is it always futile to to try to reach them? I'm I'm guessing the answer
1: is no. No, it's not. And that's where we can look at how Jesus cared for the wealthy in his day. If we look at uh, in Jericho, Jesus ministered to the emotional and social uh, uh, situation that Zacchaeus found himself in. And we could look through all uh, of Christ's ministry and start looking at where did he care for these people? Uh, the Roman centurion, uh, and, and the list can go on. So that's where we are challenged today to follow Christ's example propels us into those urban areas.
0: So there are lots of people in the urban areas, that's which right. is kind of what by default makes them urban, yes, is, is that's the, right. the concentration of people. Yeah. And with those concentra- the concentration of people, there's, there's frequently affluence. Correct. There's frequently poverty. Right. You have your extremes. Yeah. You've got extremes there. Um, there's a lot of worldliness yeah. in, in cities, which means that there's also a lot of need. Yes. Now, they may or may not recognize that need, Correct. but we can go and reach them Amen. in an effort to, to help them become aware of that need uh, and, and trust that God is going to lead and, and guide and direct us in that. We're going to be looking more at how we can reach the unreached here when we come back from our break But before we go to the break, I want to remind you, if you haven't yet done so, and we're we're getting late in the quarter, but it's not yet uh, past time, make sure you pick up the companion book to this quarter's lesson. It is God's Mission, My Mission by Gary Krause. You will find some wonderful additional resources in here, uh, references. You're going to find more Bible verses that will help you to understand how God's mission and your mission, my mission, are exactly the same. This will help you teach your Sabbath school class, it will help you to contribute more to your Sabbath school class, and you'll be blessed if you pick it up. We're going to come back in just a moment as Doug and I continue looking at the mission to the unreached. We'll be back in just one moment.
2: Among Jesus' final words to his closest friends was a commission to take the gospel to the world. What would he say to his friends today? Don't miss To Seek and to Save. Join me for reports and insights from around the globe and see what God is doing to reach the lost with the good news. We'll visit it is Written mission projects around the planet and you'll learn how you can participate in growing the kingdom of God. Of the 8 billion people in the world, almost 6 billion are not Christian. And it's said that 3 billion people alive today have never had the chance to hear the gospel. It's time to seek and to save. An inspiring look at the power of God to change your life and the opportunities you have to lead someone to salvation. To seek and to save. Brought to you by It Is Written TV.
1: What does the Bible say about astrology? Why do bad things happen to good people?
2: What color is Jesus? If you have a question, we'd love to find an answer for you from the Bible. Line up online from It Is Written TV. Welcome back to Sabbath School
0: brought to you by It Is Written. We're looking at Mission to the Unreached. And, uh, Doug, a moment ago, we were talking about people in the cities yes. and how frequently they, they're doing well or not well. And, and it's, it can be viewed as a, as a challenge. And it is indeed a challenge. You and I have both worked in New York City. We've yes. both ministered in Manhattan. Uh, it's, it's a different world out there. Um, are there any resources that are available that would help us to reach people in, in urban centers?
1: Yes. Uh, one resource uh, as a faith family around the world is the initiative called Mission to the Cities. You can go to our website, missiontothecities.org, and you can find resources there on how to serve and work with the uh, people like we served, uh, the stockbrokers, uh, you know, the Zacchaeuses of today, as well as then you can find those. Uh, and in, in Luke chapter 18, we see uh, Bartimaeus or the blind man uh, so those who are most vulnerable, and there's uh, resources available uh, for local churches, families. Uh, maybe you're a young professional uh, seeking on, you know, how can God use your creativity uh, and uh, your skills to help share the three angels' messages to those uh, individuals on the full the the full continuum of people who live in the cities. Because that's Jesus; He cared for all of them. And so that uh, example propels me and propels us as an Adventist family to care.
0: And that website once again
1: was MissionToTheCities.org.
0: Very good. All right. So in the cities, you have the wealthy, and we'll talk for for a little bit about them. Wealth in this world is finite. Yes. It, e- eventually, it comes to an end. Uh, as as somebody has once famously said, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Right. you, it with you. So it, eventually it comes to an end. But there is a wealth that that can continue. Yeah. What's the difference between the two?
1: Well, and that's where Jesus uh, looks. We can see from his uh, life and ministry that he had his eye on the eternal prize. And that is where uh, to help people to see that this world is passing but that in Christ that we can have you know, eternal life and salvation and we actually jump into that here in the story uh, in Matthew chapter 15 here at verse 22 and behold a woman of Canaan came to that region and cried to him saying have mercy on me O Lord son of David my daughter is severely demon-possessed and you can see here that she cuts through that social class and she confronts Jesus. But notice that uh, she has faith because how would she know that Jesus is the Messiah? Because she's using a very specific uh, term there that refers actually to Jesus as the, the anointed one. Anyway, to me that shows that God is working Outside of our boundaries as humans, and God is actually wanting to; His Spirit is working with all peoples.
0: So this story is is one that I think many of us are very familiar with. Yes. Sometimes the challenge comes in: how do I now apply what's here to yeah. to my life in a practical way? I, I know the story; I, I could recite the story, right. But but now bringing it to my day, yeah. What does that look like for me?
1: Well, I. There's several ways that we can go with this, but I I wanted to uh, confront, um, when I wrote this, I was asking God's Spirit to say, what do I need? What does the Adventist family around the world, what do we need when we look at mission, and in this case, mission to the cities? And I was confronted that here, Matthew, he wrote his perspective for the Jews, But if you look at Mark's gospel, he wrote his perspective for the Gentiles. So in this case, if we were to compare Matthew's account, comparing that in Mark 7, verses 24 through 30, we actually can see that there's a difference between how both were led by the Holy Spirit, but because of their audience, they have a different uh, angle. And so that's where uh, I would say that here in Matthew, This woman, you can see her foreignness in in, in different ways. And and, and I say that, obviously in verse 21, they're in the region of Tyre and Sidon. Okay, so they're in that, uh, that area. And verse 22, a woman of Canaan. And we went through and we already talked about, you know, who were the Canaanites? Who were these Sidonians? Who were these people from Tyre? Historically, but... Mark's gospel he actually looks at her and shows her motherness and so that you know she also is a gentile and so here Matthew you could say well this lady's a heathen but in Mark's gospel no she's like ah she's a, a beloved mother who's having compassion for him or for her daughter and so that's one thing that i wanted to as I, I wrote this lesson and moved by god to say you know how does this apply to me what are my biases and stigmas against other people wherever they live and god's spirit is wanting to propel me to cross those boundaries to care and to share the hope that we have as found and described in the three angels messages in revelation 14. there's a power quote i wanted to look here in uh, desire of ages page 400 christ did not immediately reply to the woman's request he received this representation of a despised race as the Jews would have done. In this, he designed that his disciples should be impressed with the cold and heartless manner in which the Jews would treat such a case as evinced by his reception of the woman and in compassionate manner in which he would have them deal with such distress as manifested by his subsequent granting of her petition. So, in this, Jesus is confronting my bigotry, my biases, my you know stereotypes that I have towards a daughter of God or a son of God, who His Spirit is already working, as evidenced here in Scripture. That wait a second, when uh, if, if we look at other places, like I think of immediately of Luke chapter eighteen, where the blind man he asks, hey, what's going on? He's reading that social media feed. And the crowd says, hey, it's Jesus of Nazareth. But wait a second. God's spirit was already working on this man's heart. And he said, no, this is Jesus, son of David. So here we see this faith shining in a bright, in a dark place that is unexpected. And that's why, I, you know, going into this uh, lesson, we, at the beginning, we have a field trip. Jesus is giving insight on site. And so we're seeing how that the Holy Spirit was confronting his disciples to say, wait a second, in verse 24, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of Israel. But this is where the mother says, no, Lord, help me. And then there's this uh, kind of this racial or this um, well-known at that time Uh, illustration that it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs or the little puppies. But in verse 27, but yes, Lord, even the little puppies. Okay, so the Greek word there is actually, you know, the favorite, you know, household pet who's always there, eats the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And so, in this exchange, we lose sight or maybe, you know, Jesus calling this lady, you know, a dog. This can, we may not catch all the cultural implications. But what we can see is that verse 28, that Jesus says to her, woman, great is your faith. That he has this faith detector, whether it's in Jericho with with Zacchaeus or the blind man or here in Tyre and Sidon, that this woman is emitting you know she's responding out of to the spirit of God's work in her heart, and thus she is showing her faith in Jesus and who He is. And we have the opportunity today, to, in whether it's in a subway, in a bus, on an airplane, or at a cafe in a city, that we can also bring hope and see how God is working on these people's lives.
0: That's powerful. A beautiful picture here. I want to read a, a Bible verse to you, Doug, and, and give you an opportunity to. To respond to it. It's in First John chapter 2 and verse 2. Here's what it says. It says, And he himself, of course speaking of Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Mm. Uh, what does that verse tell us about, about our sameness, our oneness before God?
1: We are all sinners for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so that's where in this situation, in this Bible story, we see Christ confronting his disciple and the Jewish uh, racism or the, the, the bigotry, the biases that they have in this interaction. But you, we can't see the twinkle in Christ's eye when he's talking, because these are words, you know, in red uh, letters of uh, from, in, in my Bible, of uh, it is written of what he has said. But what we can see is that Christ in this story and in this lesson, he's comforting and challenging us to say, are we being people of hope to those who God's spirit is working on, but maybe he's nudging us in a work relationship. He's nudging us with a new neighbor, or he's nudging us with someone who's helping us at a a restaurant, cafe, or at a grocery store to say, these are my children, and I want them to know the hope that you've had. Now, will you share it?
0: Good, good. We don't have much time left. In fact, we have very little time, but I want to toss this to you and give you an opportunity to just give a quick answer when we see Jesus disciples regularly throughout his ministry he see they seem to want to push people away from him yep jesus doesn't share that view help us to to grasp that
1: well when you when the, the mothers brought the little children to jesus what did they say go away go away so we see it again that's where uh in uh, whether it's feeding uh the uh the, the thousands and feeding the 4000s jesus says i didn't want to send them away hungry but uh here, the disciples wanted to send her away because she keeps um, you know, chasing or bothering Jesus. And I think the lesson for me is that, and for us as a faith family, is that God's spirit is persistently working on individuals' hearts. And I need to listen. And I need to care and share.
0: Very good. Doug, thank you again for being with us this week. And thank you for joining us again this week as well. We're delighted that you could be with us as we looked at Mission to the Unreached. We looked at part one last week, part two this week. We have just a couple of weeks left in this quarter as we're looking at how God's mission and my mission, your mission, are the same. We wish you God's blessings and look forward to seeing you again next week once again on Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written.